This is Adam Hill, minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ. Today is a great day to study the Bible. As you listen to today's message, I pray that you're blessed as we study God's Word together. Merry Christmas. I pray God's richest blessings on you this Christmas morning. And whether you are celebrating surrounded by your family and your loved ones, or whether you're by yourself this year, I pray that you know you are never alone because God is with you. And that promise that God is with you comes also with the promise that by his spirit, our whole family is worshiping together this morning. For the last few weeks, we've been studying the, the gospel proclamation of Christmas that is God with us. That, that when we stop and consider that Jesus, God's son, really showed up on this real earth and really spends time with the real us in our real lives with our real messes and still really loves us, really gives his life for us. It's mind-blowing. This is, this is why I think it's, it's one of the things we naturally want to celebrate because we realize the good news of Christmas. But sometimes we lose sight of it because Christmas isn't always easy. And I want to share with you some thoughts that uh, were germane, they're germane in the thinking of Dr. Sam Wells. And when I heard him talk about this, I wanted to share it with you so badly. So, so I, I'm just going to share with you some of this. I want to share with you three stories uh, that are rooted in Christmas that you may be able to relate to. Uh, I know I could relate to them, but I want, I want, I want to ask you to, to go with me on these three journeys. First story, I want you to imagine a relationship with someone in your family. I want you to imagine someone in your family that, that maybe it's the most difficult person for you to relate to in your family. The most, it's the most difficult relationship in your family. Now, for me, I'll use myself, um, th- through the grace of God, the belief and truth of the gospel, and a lot of counseling— uh, we've been able to undergo a lot of healing together. But for me, this particular relationship would probably be my dad. Okay, that for most of my adult life, there's been this, this difficulty based on some things that happened a long time ago. But now we're, we, we, they come up to face us at times like Christmas. Because you see, I'm out buying gifts and I, and I love giving gifts. And so here I am giving gifts to everyone and all of my family members. But there's still always that one last gift I haven't bought. And it's dad's. Because I'm never quite sure what to get him. And, 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 you know, sometimes your counselor will ask you, well, maybe do you think it's because, and let me tell you what, they are asking because they're being nice, but let me tell you what they already know. All right, so, so my counselor says, well, maybe do you think it's because that the reason you have trouble identifying what would be a gift that really made him happy is, is symbolic of how for most of your life you've never really known what would make him happy. Well, rather than deal with all that, I'm just going to buy him something nice, hand it to him, and say, I hope this works. And, you know, my dad, loving parent, opens it, looks at it, smiles, and says, this is perfect. Thank you so much. But I think both of us still know that deep down it wasn't perfect because we can both still feel the presence of the distance between us. Okay, second story. 
You're having friends and loved ones over. You want this to go perfectly, and so they're coming in for Christmas, so you have been busy cleaning the house from top to bottom. You are uh, really on everyone's case. Anytime they try and sit down on the couch because they might mess up the fluff of the pillows and the way that they looked perfect before the, the company arrives, and, and, and you've put a lot of effort into the menu. You've found out everyone's allergies. You've found out everyone's preferences. You've put so much work into the menu, and now you're ready to have them in and to welcome them, you bring them in, and they are having the time of their life. You're getting everyone their drinks. You're making sure that everything is perfect. You lay out the spread. You all eat together. You clean up the dishes. As a matter of fact, after that, you're serving dessert. You're pouring the coffee. Things are going wonderfully. And then finally, after some family time and some gift exchange, you clean up all the trash. You, you hug. You say your goodbyes. You say, we never really get to talk anymore. And you send them out the door. And as soon as the door closes, you collapse on the couch just entirely exhausted. Okay, third story. Christmas morning around the tree. Okay, I, when I was a kid, the funnest thing in the world was Christmas morning. Okay, we would open those presents, we'd see all the cool things we got, and we'd spend the next just whole day playing with everything we got. I love getting presents. I still love getting presents, but I'll tell you what, it's no longer the funnest thing for me. And all you got to do is if you have a kid or a grandkid or a nephew or niece, all of a sudden you realize that giving presents to them and watching their eyes light up, watching them squeal with joy is way more fun than anything you're opening. And so here I am excited to be giving gifts and you got your kids there and you, you give them the things that they wanted that were a little more expensive than they should have been, but you stretched, you made it work and you get it for them and they open it up and it's amazing and their eyes light up and they, they scream, thank you, thank you, thank you. And they come over and they throw their arms around you and they say, you got it for me. Thank you so much. I can't believe you did this. I'm so happy. You're so good. You're such a good mom. You're such a good dad. You're the perfect parent. And, and, and not only good at parenting, you're just generally wise in all that you do and, and exceptionally good looking, if I, if I do say so myself. And, and they're just heeping on the praise, right? And you are soaking it up because it's just, this is the moment, man. And, and finally, they recognize everything you've done for them. And just 30 minutes later, as you're cleaning up and loading things into the dishwasher, you call out and you say, hey, kids, can y'all bring the dishes from in there in here to me so I can put them in the dishwasher? And it's crickets. And you figure, well, maybe they're watching something. And you go in there and you say, guys, I need you to give me the dishes. Can y'all pick up the dishes from around the living room so that I can put them in, in the dishwasher and get them clean? And these children, these children who just told you that you were the best parent on earth, who just lauded your praises, will have the audacity to roll their eyes at you and start saying, why do we have to do that? We're just trying to have some fun. Ungrateful. That's what they are. And you were duped by it again. Okay, there's the three Christmas stories that I wanted to tell you. I know, not exactly what you expected, but trust me on this. You see, what do all these stories have in common? I have a theory. Here's my suggestion. Have you ever thought that maybe what these stories have in common is one word? Four. F 
4. We don't want our relationships to be difficult. And so we want to do something for dad to make him feel okay. We want our loved ones to feel welcome. And so we busy ourselves doing things for them. We want our kids to be happy. So we buy nice things for them, things they really want. And here's the deal, for gestures, gestures that you do for other people are good, they matter. All right, as a matter of fact, when, when I think about selflessness, that's praiseworthy, okay? And, and we rightly recognize the, the extraordinary things that people do for others. Christmas, as a matter of fact, feels like it's all about four. Okay, we, we, we clean four, we cook four, we buy four, we wrap four, and, 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 and all of it's four, but it's as sacrificial and generous as it is, somehow it doesn't get to the heart of the matter. Because the growing chasm between me and dad gets wider. And you realize that you miss time spending you missed time with your friends because you were so busy doing things for them. And our kids didn't learn true thankfulness or gratitude despite what we bought for them. Okay, so here's what Dr. Wells says. He says, four is a fine word, okay? But it doesn't dismantle resentment. It doesn't overcome misunderstanding, and it doesn't deal with alienation. It doesn't overcome isolation. Even more, four is not the way that God celebrates Christmas. Okay, theologically, most of us conceive of spirituality solely in terms of four. Okay, I'm serious. We speak regularly of the sacrifice of Jesus for us. Jesus' cross, a son of God who dies for our sins. But we whisper when it comes time to talk about spending time with God. And some of us even wonder what that really means to spend time with God. This may be why Easter is actually theologically more accessible for us than Christmas. Okay, Easter theology makes sense because it's Christ dying for us and then conquering the grave. And, and, and there's really no comparison between the Easter Bunny and the Risen Lord. Okay, because the Risen Lord has done way more for us than the Easter Bunny has ever done. And we recognize that. And then we get to Christmas and we're comparing Santa with baby Jesus. I mean, don't get me wrong, baby Jesus, you're wonderful. But what have you done for me? I know what Santa's done for me. Okay, but what if four isn't what God is trying to show us at Christmas? I want you to listen to this scripture from Matthew chapter 1. This is the story of Jesus' birth at Christmas and, and the announcement of it to Joseph. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, 
because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, listen up, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, I think about John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we get down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling place among us and dwelled with us. I think of Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus is sending his disciples out and giving them the great commission, telling them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And remember this, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Okay, then I look at the end of the story in Revelation chapter 21. We've got a new heaven and a new earth. We've got a new Jerusalem. And and, and, and look at this, what he says in verse 3. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God will be with them and be their God. You see, when we come to Christmas, we encounter the word with, which might just be the most important word in the Bible, because the word describes God's heart and God's nature and God's will and purpose for us with. You see, with is at the heart of God's eternal triune communal nature. With is the reason for creation. With is the reason for covenant. With is what the incarnation of Jesus was all about. With is what the gift of the Spirit is all about. With is what is what we, eternity will look like. You see, with is harder than for. Did you catch that? With is harder than for. You see, you can be generously sacrificial without a relationship without communication, without shaping your life to accommodate the other person. This is why that gift for dad doesn't work. Because no gift can really deal with that distance and relationship. But you know what can heal a broken relationship? Time with someone. This is why we, 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 we cry in relief when, when our house guests leave, because we haven't experienced any with. It's all been doing things for, and we're exhausted. Or our children, uh, they, they, they don't, our, our children grow and are shaped infinitely more by the time we spend with them than by the stuff we buy for them. Not only is is with harder than for, let me tell you this, with requires more from us than for. Okay? And maybe that's why we love New Year's, because we can get past all this with business and right back into the for uh, for a little while, uh, and we can party. Uh, But I hope you hear the good news of Christmas, of God with us. I want to conclude by telling you one more story. And this is by William Willimon. And I think this is just a beautiful and brilliant story that it makes the point. Willimon says, there was a time when all of the angels were gathered around the heavenly throne for a discussion. Things were in a, were a mess down on earth, right? What, what else is new? 
And the creator had become concerned about the state of the creation. Wars, fighting, famine, bloodshed, division. He said, I've tried everything. I've spoken to them. Some of the most beautiful words that they could ever think to hear. Think of the glorious psalms, the hymns, the poetic passages of Isaiah. They love to read about peace and goodwill, but they don't like to live it. God continued, and then I sent them the prophets. And they love Isaiah and and the promises of release for the captives and and of good news to the poor and, and of freedom from exile. But they don't follow the precepts of the prophets about justice and righteousness rolling down like like waters. And there was widespread discussion on the sad state of affairs on earth. And many of the angels, Gabriel, Michael, and the others, had been there, had been on earth on many occasions. They'd seen for themselves the sources of God's lament, and they'd shared God's concern. And I think the only thing left, God says, is for one of you a member of the heavenly court to go down to earth, to live with them, not just for a moment, but every day, to get to know them, to to become one of them, to live with them, to let them get to know you. Only then will heaven's intent be truly communicated to them. Only then will they take notice of the great gap between the way they've been living and the way they were created to live. Only then will we be able to reveal to them who I created them to be. And the angels stood in awkward silence. You see, they had had been to earth before. And they had delivered messages from God to, to affect some momentary intervention in human affairs. And they weren't about to volunteer for a long-term assignment in our murderous, difficult world. And the silence lasted for an eternity almost. And finally God broke the silence and quietly, determinedly, determinedly, But without resignation or bitterness, God said, then I'll go. You see, God didn't just come for four. God chose with. And yet, God did many things for us. But those things that God did for us, they, they find their power, right? They find their power precisely in God being with us. So Sam Wells concludes like this, God this night in becoming flesh in Jesus. God has said, there will never again be a four that's not based on a fundamental, unalterable, everlasting, and utterly unswerving with. Amen.
how do we celebrate this with? Well, by being with others. By not trading the complex, challenging call to be with people for the ease and the escape and the relative safety of four. You see, God didn't choose to simply do something for us. Christmas reminds us, and, and it cost him his life, that he came and did life with us. That this was God's plan all along. This Christmas, may you find yourself blessed to be with those around you, to be aware of the miracle of genuine presence and open to receive the blessing of life, hope, and glory that is only found with God. Thank you for listening to the Rochester Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. Our hope is that it was a blessing to you. If you would like someone to study with or pray with, do not hesitate to reach out to us through our website, rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and you are chosen.